0: So we're going to continue on. We're talking about being mature in our faith. If you remember from last week, um, what maturity looks like. It's so weird because you guys are like on opposite sides. There's no one, n- literally no one in this middle row. Yeah, like, why don't you guys all just <laughs> move over? Um, oh, there we go. It's Rob's birthday today as well. And Kristen's birthday was just last a few days ago, actually. So happy birthday, guys. We are so blessed by your lives and your friendship and so thankful that you're in this community and family. We truly, truly love you both very, very much. So happy birthday. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, I won't make everybody sing. I would typically do that, but we won't do that today. Yeah, so we're talking about maturity in the faith. I was shared last week that the week previous to that, Tom and I were in New Hampshire at our hub church. We were there for Christmas, so we stayed through Sunday and we participated with the body down there. And um, when we walked in, there was such a just heavy presence in the room. Anyway, worship was going on. And all that morning, I heard the spirit of God saying to me, it's time to grow up. Speaking to the church, I felt myself. It was a it was a word for myself personally, but I also really believe that's for the church, uh, global. I believe that God is growing us up. I believe in this local community that it's time for us to mature. That God is stretching us and growing us, and that that is the season that we're in right now. And that's not necessarily a fun season to be in, you know, when you have to mature. Uh, maturity requires a lot of things that are uncomfortable at times. and But I kept hearing that um, when I was in the service there, and I, I was thinking about faith, you know, how to be mature in our faith. Not only faith meaning, uh, which we talk al- about this a lot here, faith, that word, In the New Testament, a lot, the word actually means sound doctrine. The faith, the deposit, the teaching, that's all the word didache, which is doctrine. And it's what Paul was passing along to Paul and the apostles to the New Testament church to ground them in the faith, that they would be steady and um, immovable. But also thinking about faith, Hebrews 11 faith, right? Believing without seeing something that's not tangible but believing God for something we can't see and calling it into to being believing that we have it already those two types of faith the faith being what we believe the teaching and then also faith believing God is who he says he is and that he's maturing us into this measure of faith and uh, if many of you remember we went for weeks talking. Joseph was talking about the religious spirit for weeks because we really felt as a community that God was wanting to expose that in us rid us of that any place in our minds in our hearts and our lives that that we were still under the religious spirit and that you know we hear religious spirit and that can sound pretty intense like oh no not me but honestly, I've shared so many stories. Joseph shared stories. We, you know, we, because of tradition, because of ways of growing up, you know, it's not that odd that we would be having some of that religious spirit still in our minds or the way that we think or the way that we perceive or we think that the church should be. And so it's not, uh, that's not a dig on anybody. It's just saying the Holy Spirit's welcoming us and saying, let's go a little further, dig a little deeper in, and rid ourselves of this. And last week, um, I was thinking of the religious spirit as that which pretends maturity. And you just think of the Pharisees, right? They were the mature ones... In the religious community but that was not a real maturity and it was exposed when real maturity showed up which was John the Baptist and Jesus that was real mature faith that was real mature walk with God it is the Son of God so it was authentic and real and exposed that which was not real that was pretend and you know it's interesting even when I think about the Pharisees so many in the Christian community elevated them as the ones who are the most mature because of what their knowledge they knew the scriptures the way that they communicated and i'm not saying every pharisee was a hypocrite i don't know that we don't know that the scripture talks about them as being very hypocritical jesus addresses that there may have been some that have turned like nicodemus Um, but what, it, what that religious spirit even today is, pretending maturity, uh, you know, I'm gonna act as though I'm mature, or come across, I wanna portray that I'm a mature believer without having any real maturity on the inside, right? That's exactly what the Pharisees did, but what happens is when the real maturity comes in the room, that thing's gonna be exposed because it turns into judgment, it turns into jealousy, it turns into envy. That's the way that it displays itself um, because it's not real maturity. It is pretend maturity. In a religious spirit, it's a guise. And we don't want that here. I don't want it in my life. I don't want to be having that fruit in my life in any way. Not in my thoughts, not in my words, not in my actions. Uh, I know that we as a community are really desiring to be like Jesus. Um, We talked last week about Ephesians 4. And we're going to be in Ephesians 4 again today. And for those who have been with us for a while, we went weeks and weeks, months on the gifts In the church and the leadership roles. In Ephesians 4, we stayed in for several weeks talking about those five ministry gifts that were given to the body of Christ, to the global church. And what it says sorry, the hair is so dry, I need some water. It gets really dry in here. (coughs) Excuse me. Ephesians 4, so it's in verse 11 through 14. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith (coughs) and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So, this is <coughs> these five ministry gifts. The whole intention, it says, God, in the Amplified, it says, God's intention for these gifts was for the maturity of. Of the body. And hey, I'm sorry, you know, that means we're pr- going to be pretty annoying to the global church or to the local church because we're constantly saying, let's go a little further, let's get stretched a little more, let's grow in our maturity, let's go a little deeper. That's how we mature. Our parents to children always, you know, like, oh yeah, I love my parents. No, when you're matur- <laughs> maturing, your parents can be kind of annoying to you at some points, right? Because they're trying to teach you life lessons that you don't want to hear or know about. <coughs> and so, you're, you know, we talked about that some last week as well. But just a reminder that those five gifts, their m- primary role is to develop the body, to disciple, to um, empower the body, and to teach and to mature the church, to bring the church into maturity, so when I personally hear, um, this is God's goal, right? He's bringing the global church to maturity, not just one local body, but the global church. When I hear that, I'm thinking, what the heck does that mean? What's that going to look like? <clears throat> what do you think? I mean, you guys know I like to talk here back and forth. So what do you guys think of when you, he, when, I'm sure we've all heard it, God is making ready his bride. What does that mean you think of? What does that mean? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <that's like laughs> oh yeah, it, it literally just touched it as soon as I swallowed. So that's great, thank you. So these are great answers um, for what he's doing. T- when I'm thinking of, um, when I think of the church maturing, first I think of the global church. Well, how's the global church? The global church is made up of many local churches, right? So. The global church will be mature when the local churches are brought to maturity, right? That's just one simple step. Local churches will be brought to maturity when local church families are brought to maturity, meaning the families within the local body are each functioning as God designed them to function in your household. Households will become mature when individuals become mature i mean it's pretty simple right that's how i break it down in my in my mind when i need to understand something i'm going all right lord households will become mature when individuals become mature and so there we have it you and me need to become mature in order for the global church to become mature, you can't escape it, it's not some outside thing that's just, yeah, everybody together, oftentimes when we have big, big answers, we exclude ourselves from the process of it. But when it comes down to it, in order for the global church to be mature, local churches that make up that global church must be mature. In order for this local body to become mature, because this is where we are, Your family has to be mature. This family is just made up of many families. We will not be healthy unless your families are healthy. Your family will become healthy when you become healthy. It's not, oh, once my spouse becomes healthy, we'll be healthy. No, once I become healthy, my family can start to become healthy. Me and my spouse living together according to the order that God designed it, and that starts with me. That starts with me. So that's, that, this is the order that we're going to talk about maturity in the faith in the next coming weeks. Starting with us here in the room, you as an individual, don't be thinking about, oh yeah, my husband needs to hear this, my cousin needs to hear that, my child needs to hear that. No, this is for me, this is for you. We each need to hear this, we each need to become mature, and we each need to, some of them we will talk about some of the things that you just shared I want to say what maturity is not because even though we might have a great idea of what is, um, maybe just hearing some of the things that it's not will help us. I know for myself, I believed maturity was these things underlying on the deep place in the deep places in me for a long time um, without realizing that I had these beliefs. But maturity is not experience or gifting. That's not, your maturity is not experience or gifting. So just because you've had an experience does not mean you're mature. I had a lot of experiences (laughs) when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit and (laughs) encountered God in incredible ways, and I was extremely immature. I mean, if any of you knew me back then, I mean, Joe did, actually. (laughs) Joe did, and we laugh a lot about the immaturity that, yeah, that we walked in um, back then. But uh, the experience did not instantly make me mature just because I had all these experiences with God. No, he's good. He gave me an experience. It's part of my journey. My relationship did not make me mature. And just because you have a spiritual gift, which we all do, or a specific calling or a tremendous amount of grace, does not mean that you are mature. And this is a big issue in the church because many are promoted because of a gift or a call, and they fall because of lack of character and maturity. Discipleship, grounding, and it's a it's a disservice to people because we're we're really just, I hate to say it, but in a way we're just using people for their gifts and for their grace, and we want it. But we're not really caring for the person that they wouldn't, Uh, fall or that they would be able to carry that well that gift that anointing that call well and character is the only thing that will really hold that stuff up Um, so maturity is not experiencing your gifting maturity is not knowledge both natural knowledge or spiritual knowledge maturity is not knowledge you could know every scripture reference and what to seem like you have all the wisdom in the world um, and knowledge and still not be mature, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had so much knowledge. They were able to teach. They were the teachers of the teachers. And they were not mature. They were missing the point. Uh, They were so bound by tradition and so blinded by... um, Uh, religious spirit that missed the whole point they were not mature Jesus showed up and showed the whole world that you know when the real came the facade was exposed so that just because you know because many of us I know myself included I grew up in the church so I have a lot of knowledge I have a lot of scripture in my head that doesn't just instantly make me mature the word will make us mature but just because we know it doesn't mean we are mature Uh, In Corinthians, it says, knowledge puffs up, but love is what edifies. Um, And then lastly, one of the things, uh, maturity is not how long you have known and walked with God. And this is an interesting one because sadly, in a sense, length of time does not make us mature. And I do want to say that if you've been walking with the Lord a long time, I'm, I'm sure there's been little growth, you know, Along the way, because that's that's God, that's who he is. He's going to constantly bring us forward. But just because you've been in the Lord 30 years does not just say, oh, I'm mature because I've known God 30 years. Not necessarily. It's like the um, mistakes, right? If you don't learn from your mistakes, it's not making you mature. You're just repeating the same mistakes. 30 years in the Lord, you could be doing the same thing, never really growing, kind of stagnant in your faith, but I do want to say that maturity does take time. So there is time connected to it in some sense. Like You're not going to be just mature tomorrow. It takes time, but time does not necessarily produce it. It's kind of ironic, right? It's Catch 22. Just because you've been a long time in the Lord does not make you mature, but it will take time to become mature. Um, <coughs> just like we would say a 40-year-old who's acting like an <laughs> 18-year-old, is not mature because he's 40 years old. Like, Yeah, uh, we don't judge someone by their age. We judge someone by their lifestyle, their action, the fruit of their life, whether they're mature or not. Not like, oh, you're 50, you must be mature. Not necessarily, (laughs) Um, sadly, so. Let's just talk about, we're going to end today just talking about these few things that some people had mentioned today, and we're going to go on for weeks. So I'm not, I don't want to take a big chunk of things every week. I want to kind of break it down and focus on one or two things. So today we're focusing on individual personal responsibility. In Ephesians 4, it says maturity is. I want to read this in the Amplified, verse 13 saying that the gifts were there his intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body in the verse 13 it says that it meaning the church might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith that f- the faith is sound doctrine that we're all believing truth the same truth <laughs> um, and in the comprehension the full and Accurate knowledge of the Son of God, so not just any knowledge of the Son of God, it's got to be accurate, (laughs) right? And that we might arrive at really mature manhood. And this is what it says in the Amplified the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in him. So our standard, maturity is Christ's perfection. Whoa. Well, that's pretty intense, right? If I'm measuring myself against Christ's perfection, I'm pretty immature. (laughs) Um, Just, you know, honest self-evaluation here. Um, But that is the standard. And what that speaks to me, one, the first thing that that speaks to me is that this process is, going on until eternity right the process of maturity it doesn't end it's not ending for you it's not ending for me we are going to continually grow in maturity until Christ returns the church is going to continually grow into maturity until Christ returns the standard the height what we're aiming after is perfection Christ's perfection um and then, th- so then I think if maturity is Christ's perfection, if that's the stature, if that's the height, what marked Christ Jesus' perfection? What made Jesus perfect? <coughs> sinless, that's one of the first things we, we think of, that he was a sinless man. So he was perfect without sin. That's pretty amazing. Two things that I think of. When I think of Jesus, that marked him from any other human that's ever lived on the earth. Sinlessness was just the fruit, I believe, of these two things. Is that he knew his identity, he knew who he was, he knew who his father was, he knew who he was, he was certain of it, he had no doubts, no questions. He knew that he is the son of God and what he came to do. He knew his identity, and because of that, he walked in humility. (coughs) And humility is the root of every godly attribute. If we would say that the root of all sin is pride, that's what I would say. The root of all sin. If you think of any sin that's ever happened, the root of it is pride self-seeking it's about me it's about my gain but the root of every godly attribute is humility so his humility produced his sinlessness he wasn't trying not to sin he didn't have to try and work at it like oh i've got to try really hard to not sin no he knew his identity because of that that is the the foundation of it all the most important thing that we can understand is who we are in Christ. Who he is and who we are in Christ. Because out of that understanding, we can be as humble and as lowly because it doesn't affect any part of who we are. So, if I, for example, if I know that I'm a daughter of the king, Me cleaning the bathroom and if that was all that I did for the rest of my life is not gonna affect my identity. Who I am is already established. Doesn't matter, doesn't touch it. My value doesn't come from what I'm doing. My value, my position doesn't come from what I'm doing. My position is already settled in heaven, in Christ. I am his and I have extreme value. To the Lord I actually carry the fullness of the Holy Spirit the spirit of the living God lives and dwells in me so what I do for the rest of my life doesn't actually matter as long as it's in obedience to him which will naturally flow from knowing your identity knowing who he is and who we are in humility Christ went to the lowest place if you remember Philippians 2, that whole progression where Paul is saying that Jesus didn't uh, count being equal, equal with God as something to be grasped, though he was, but he laid it all aside, and then he went to the lowest place. How does somebody do that? The creator of all things laid aside his di- like all his divine power, <laughs> went to the lowest place, and then let himself be crucified. That was not against his will. (laughs) He let himself, he went there himself by his own choosing. He gave up all of his rights to be right, because he is right, he is perfect. He gave up every right to defend himself, because he had every right to defend himself, and he laid it aside. He was perfect, there was nothing. He could have very easily been defended but he gave up all of that because he knew who he was and why he came and he was set, focused, being obedient. This is the standard of perfection and maturity that we are all coming to, and each of us individually have to be on this journey of revelation of our identity in first place, who God is and who we are in him and out of that will flow every other thing. His character, when I think of Christ's perfection as the standard of maturity, he had impeccable character, (laughs) right? (laughs) Impeccable character. Um, That's kind of what Landon was saying, integrity, right? It's all, that's all, he had like, Christ was perfect. In his integrity, I think of character, and like I just said, humility being the root of every godly attribute. And that humility will be born out of the love of God because the love of God is humble. It goes low. So if you're being filled with his love, you will naturally want to serve. Okay, it's not, again, it, it takes away that middle religious thing of striving to do something. It's what we've been so taught and, and demonstrated that we strive and we work, we work hard. We gotta, get s- we gotta work so hard to be humble. And I'm not saying it's necessarily easy because it does sting, <laughs> right? There were times in my life where my, because I was walking in so much pride, it stung. But I also didn't really know the love of God. And if I had really had revelation of the love of God, that may have been a little more natural ousting the pride in my heart or ousting the pride in my mind and my thoughts and the way that I viewed life because I was so wrapped up in what I was able to do like my gift sets even singing playing guitar speaking all of those things I received value from them I did not know my identity I did not know my identity my value apart from what I was doing so there was a lot of room for pride to just kind of stew around and think like, I'm just pulling from people to gain approval, to gain affirmation, to gain a lot of what I needed, but it was never satisfied because only God can fill that place in me. And I, it was a journey that I had to go on to realize that God actually can satisfy that place in me with his love. It is more than enough, and when he does that, Things change in my life. I begin to naturally want to serve, and it doesn't matter who sees. It doesn't matter if people are around or not around. It doesn't matter if I'm the one speaking or leading or not leading and speaking. doesn't matter. He sees me. He knows me. He loves me. And it's all that I need. It satisfies, and it produces humility in us, which is the attribute we all need to come into maturity some of that really I mean and I think a lot of that humility is developed that character is developed in discipleship and community you got to rub against people the wrong way to learn and to grow and learn from your mistakes you know when you <laughs> when you're off by yourself all the time think like yes i have got this christian thing down. I am so humble, and I'm so loving, and I'm so good to people. And then you get into community, and then conflict comes, and then you're erupting in anger and frustration, and all the pride comes out, it really shows what's on the inside. That's the beauty of family. That's the beauty of community. Iron sharpening iron, right? You're not really seeing that. It's kind of like marriage, right? You get married, you think you're going to be like the most Like, I am such a solid believer. I'm going to be the best spouse that there ever was. And then you get married, and you're like, I am a piece of crap. (laughs) Like, I have a lot to learn, and I have so much pride, and I'm still (laughs) responding in junky ways, and oh, my goodness. Why? Because relationship, community, development, it's necessary for our maturity. It's good. It's not bad. This is good. We need each other. We need each other. If you don't run, don't run from conflict. Don't run from community. It is what will mature you. It will help in your process in maturity. Get married. It might also help <laughs> in your process of maturity. <laughs> yeah, we love marriage around here. Um, faith, and this is what we were t- kind of talking about before. Who who was it of the sisters that said faith? yeah. <laughs> She's humble enough to acknowledge that it was her, yeah. Um, yeah, so th- faith is, a, he's looking for faith in the earth. This is, comes out of our knowing our identity. Our faith is born out of that, because if we know who we are, we know who he is, we're going to walk in faith. Any place that we have doubt, I, can, I've, I believe I can confidently say, any place we have doubt or fear is just a place we haven't understood our identity yet. Hasn't been touched by his love. That's what I believe. Is that because once you know who he is and who you are, you're not gonna have doubt and unbelief. You're gonna have lots of faith, and that faith is gonna be ever increasing. Uh, believe believing God and what he says and knowing your identity. And this will develop through relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Knowing who he is, knowing the Father, knowing Jesus and knowing the Holy Spirit in an experiential way is gonna develop. Your faith, it's going to increase your faith. You got to know him and you got to know who he is in you, right? So that faith is going to be developed by and through your relationship with him, knowing him, thinking on him, believing him, stepping out. And faith. As we know in James, so this is my last point, obedience, faith and obedience go hand in hand. They cannot be separate. I don't know if anyone has ever read the book The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Incredible book if you haven't read it. And he talks about faith and obedience, being so married together. You can't have one without the other. I mean, he gets the idea from James, so it's, it's the Bible as well. But it's simple and real. When you have faith, you're going to obey just like the disciples, D- Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book talks about that, that when Jesus called his disciples, they believed in their immediate response was obedience to follow him, to lay aside everything behind and follow him wherever he went and all that he was doing. That's a huge, huge commitment, but it's simple and real. Know God, know your identity, and then obey him. You're going to. It's going to be a natural commitment. Response You're going to want to hear him and want to obey him because you know him and you know his love. Now, is that obedience always going to just be like, woohoo? No. I mean, there were many times in my life that the obedience was a, a hardship. Sleeping on cement floors and spiders all over me and cockroaches in my hair and cornmeal every day. Like, that was a yes to God. That was obedience. Was it easy? No. Lots of back aches and sunburns and exhaustion and conflict, hunger. Yes, I, I mean, the list is endless. Did it result in joy in my life? A hundred percent. Because obedience will always bring joy. And I knew God more and more in that place. I experienced God in new ways. And this is for each one of us to grow in our maturity, remembering that the What we're aiming at is Christ's perfection. And the two keys is identity. I I can't emphasize that enough. Know who you are. If you haven't picked up my book in the back, grab one, Orphan Mentality, get rid of it. Get rid of the orphan mindset. You are a son or a daughter of the living God, and he loves you. And the more you have revelation of that, the more you're going to step into faith, obedience, humility, it's going to naturally flow from your life, and you're going to grow in maturity. You're going to grow up in the Lord. Amen? Joe, you have anything? No? Cool. Well, we're going to just pray then. Tommy's not here to put music on, so it's all good. Uh, (laughs) Father, we love you so much. We're just so thankful for your love, and I just want to pray Today, God, for this family, um, I pray, God, that you would bring us into maturity, each individually, as your children. Father, every place in us that doesn't know who we really are and who you really are, I pray for an accurate knowledge of the Son of God to just wash over us. Revelation of who you are, revelation of the Father, revelation of his love, revelation of Christ in us, Christ in us fully, the spirit of the living God in us. God, creator, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, his spirit living and dwelling inside of us, producing life and power and healing. Father, I pray that our minds would be washed with the truth and every place of doubt and unbelief and fear and anxiety, any place of disobedience or pretending would be washed away by the love of God and that we would be motivated in, from that place of identity and your goodness and your kindness and everything else. Every heavy weight we've carried, every heavy burden that we were not meant to carry would just fall off in jesus name in our minds in our hearts and our lives i pray god that you would bring us up into maturity in this hour in this community and for your church not just this local community god but we pray for the global <laughs> church that you would bring us up into maturity you would mature your bride starting with your sons and your daughters